We're here. Shit is fire. Yeah. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Kevin Francis. Thank you so much for tuning into Made Podcast. I'm so blessed and honored that you've taken the time just to uh, journey with us on this amazing, amazing project. Um, I'm sitting with my homie, my good friend, another mentor, Eric. How you hey, doing, boss? What's good, bro? Good, man. So good. Just uh, enjoying the day, man. Came to see you and uh, recording it. this podcast, dude. What's going on with you? How are you? I'm chilling, bro. I'm chilling. Uh, life is fucking interesting. We're at an interesting <laughs> time. Random time. I don't really know how to sum it up. It's been a generally positive time. Depends on how the, how you look at this. Absolutely, you can only look at it in a positive way. I mean, yeah, for yeah. some people. Well, you know, I said this. Uh, I've been saying this for weeks. Every response to this is okay. Some people, mm-hmm. some people, uh, you know, were really bummed out and mm-hmm. have been really bummed out because you know they need. They had a need socially that it's not being met you know so yeah. so if someone has a bummed out response that's allowed to you shouldn't judge that mm-hmm. um but that's not the way i respond to things anymore when things don't go the way i want to how do you show up how do you refocus re, you don't you know? respond to that anymore anymore you know it? Anymore. And, and that's good so you've you've come to that conclusion of you know like i'm not gonna live in that no there's no time it, i don't have any time come on dude you know you, i feel like a lot of people do waste a lot of time in living in that and that's why we're not able to grow that kind of brings me to um our my first topic is the fact of how we're all living a lifestyle but no life that was so good i've stole that by the way <laughs> did you stole that yeah it's gonna good. on the podcast come it comes on. out on sunday it was come so on, good dude like totally like that hit me is like you know we're we're in this now i want to talk though okay now I'm getting super excited just because you Let's talked it. about it. Okay, so tell me what that means to you. Is it okay? So I've been all lifestyle most of my life. So mm-hmm. uh, drug lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, selling drugs, doing drugs, uh, you know, up all night on coke, talking about moving weight and fucking selling pills all <laughs> over the east. Like it was in that, that was a lifestyle that I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, drug addict lifestyle, mm-hmm. like. Robbing, scheming to get money. You know, this this girl would come to my house. She would boost, come to my house, get money. You know, sell whatever she stole. We'd go pick up dope, shoot dope, and Jesus. that was a lifestyle I was living. Yeah. Then I got sober and was introduced to that lifestyle. And uh, then it was having sex with people, having sex with women, mm-hmm. and, and players, being mm-hmm. a player, and then money. And this, I've had my from teenage years to my late twenties has been lifestyle. Um, but now I have two children. Mm. I have a partner. Mm. I have a spiritual life. I have a podcast. I have a business. I have a business life, um, and it's full. Mm. And I'm filled. And I have, you know, I'm I'm not spending time focused on the external. I appreciate the spaces that I'm in. I sp- appreciate being to get on a, being able to get on a microphone and do this. But I'm also going to put my son to bed tonight. Yeah. And I'm appreciate. That's the most present I am. I'm going to appreciate that. I'm a father. I'm multifaceted, but I needed to go through all those lifestyles to figure out what was important to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Once you have a life, then you start appreciating um, the life that God has given you just in that, you know, Um, when, when you were at that place of realizing, and I want to talk about more in the pandemic, just because I want to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, Where did life and I know it, it. You talk about your family and your your children, and your and your beautiful, amazing. Um, oh, thank you, partner. She's a shit. Yeah, she is, dude. <laughs> and um, but for your soul, mm-hmm. um, do you feel peace in that? Like in life now, like being yeah. that you've been in a quarantine, yeah. being that you've like have had almost three months of sitting in your house or not go, not being able to go out, how is your soul doing? Because I feel it's like a lot of Better than us, ever. Okay. Better than, it, you know. So break that down for me because. So I tell, you know, I'm a huge proponent of meditation and spiritual mm-hmm. life in whatever capacity. You know, I participate in Christianity and have Buddhist principles that, you know, kind of are become, have become the lens uh, that I view the world through. Mm-hmm. So the combination of that. But, um, this quarantine, like I set the intention for the year, and last year I set the intention for spiritual growth. This mm-hmm. year I set set the intention for emotional growth, and quarantine has allowed all the space to do that. I don't mm-hmm. got really pl- nowhere to be, mm-hmm. so I got the fate. Me and my girl got to face things for the first time because life is so busy yeah. that this is the first time she was off work for six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I was home 
we're home together. How do we, we, you know, when you're working, um, you don't really have the time to really interface yeah. all day. Yeah. How do we co-parent all day together? Mm-hmm. How do we split time? How do we spend time together, but not too much time together? Because mm-hmm. you, you don't need to be up on top of anybody. Yeah. You're not, you know, how do you even have your own personal yeah, time. Yeah. So yeah. how do we navigate that? So, so I've had, to, I've gotten to navigate that for the first time in our relationship with like no stimulus besides like our, our family life. And then I'm a proponent of meditation. I meditate every day, mm-hmm. never fails. Um, and if I miss a day, I can tell. Um, and I, I, this time was like, this is a positive time for me to get intimate with myself. And that's what spirituality has really, um, and even Christianity allows me to do is as I get closer to God or whatever, you know, conception someone has, um, you know, as I get closer to my conception of God, I get closer to myself. Mm-hmm. So as I got more in, as this quarantine started, I got took the time to get more into my spiritual life. Went from meditation. I always meditate at least 20 minutes. I was pushing 70 minutes, 90 wow. minutes of meditation daily. Wow. You know, and and not guided. Mm-hmm. Bing in, like, bing in, bing out, like. Do you meditate with music? Do you meditate in silence? Silence, man. Wow. So that, but that's where I get all the answers. Wow. I, you know, in, in 12 Step, it talks about in, intuitively knowing how to handle situations that used to baffle me. Mm-hmm. And I used to look for external things to f- figure shit out. That was me trying to control shit, move shit like chess pieces. But when I spend time in silence, when I spend time in intimacy um, with God, with with whatever that, that manifestation is, I can I know how to solve problems now. Now. Yeah, I have creative business ideas. The podcast, the name of the podcast, and the conception of the podcast all came um, out of meditation. Wow! So you know, um, I, I use this quarantine as a time for myself, and and I was a proponent of so I, other people. Like, okay, now you got no excuse not to not to meditate. Everybody's like, oh. I commend you. Like, it's so cool that you can meditate every day. So you can do it too. You can do it too. Like now you got nowhere to be. You can't say I'm busy at work. You can't say I'm busy at work. You can't say none of that. So that's really how I've been finding peace in this time is, is continuing to grow spiritually. You know, I always say that I believe that praying is asking and meditation is receiving. Listening. Yeah. And, you know, we are so quick to pray and ask and ask and ask. But then when the time comes for us to receive, we're so caught up in the lifestyle or in the whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm just in this season of lifestyle. Yeah. You know, so I'm just going to stay on that topic. It's like um, me meditating. Uh, I receive so much. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, even meditating with a friend. Yeah. Oh, just sitting. Super intimate. And, and receiving the energy that they have and stuff like that. Uh, we're getting, uh, two friends of mine are getting ready to go to Palm Springs this weekend for just, just to remove ourselves, you mm-hmm. know. I'm going home because it's a little bit cheaper, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, but our intentions, we set our intentions out this week that, okay, this week we're going to work through the end of Friday. We're going to turn off our phones. Boom. We're going to drive to Palm Springs. We're going to meditate. We're going to do these things because I'll tell you this. Something that um, I've learned is that through this time of being intimate with myself, I've, I'm have i learning more and more to value my my spirit. Mm-hmm. I value myself. Yeah. I value, you know, in in different areas but when it comes to my spirit we don't i don't think we value ourselves enough yeah and we use it as like well it's a crutch oh, i've been broken you know for so long and yeah and and then x y and z and blah 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 but it's like wait a minute bro you have the power yeah to speak over every situation in your life so i begin to speak over my spirit it's like you know what i value myself yeah. i'm speaking words of affirmations over myself every day and i'm setting these these intentions because i'm not you know, uh, a friend, of my a friend of mine, she was telling me that you know her friends, like she was in a in a setting that she went to go and hang out with them, and it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. And you know, she said it it kind of felt weird. And I was like, well, you have to understand where what we're trying to do as influencers, as public speakers, or whatever your gifts are. Do you know what I mean? You took this time during this quarantine to continue to to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you were up at five o'clock in the morning doing your yoga routines. You were up and doing your meditations and all this other stuff that um, for for myself, it was good because now I don't have this. I'm not saying, you know, going outside is, is not hanging out with friends is not a good idea. But the time that I've used this for, like once everything is over and we're back in the mm-hmm. new norm, okay, I'm going to be 10 times closer, yeah. 10 times better, you know, being able to 
to have more podcasts, being able to have more content, not even just content, but being able to build more uh, in in my community with other people. Like, um, I feel like we just have been stuck and just kind of like, oh, well, you know, this is this is great. Here's where we are. You yeah. know, I'm I'm sitting back, relaxing, collecting that little paycheck. Yeah, and it's like. Honestly, this feels like retirement. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. trying to sit here forever and just relax and, you know, watch Netflix and stuff like that. Like, I want to take this opportunity. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're setting our intentions for the remainder of the year. We're setting our intentions for 2021. You know what I mean? And going out there and really trying to um, be at peace and have that, that, that confidence in our spirit. You know, because I do believe that at times we have confidence in other areas, but not our spirit. We lack it in our spirit. So that's that's something that I really am looking forward to. Now, um, how for yourself and for your business, I know you said it's been doing amazing, especially, I mean, you've been Much better. pushing out I've a been lot grinding. of contact, you yeah. know. Um, what would you say would be Where, where do you where do you see yourself like at the at the end at the end of the year going into the new year yeah. with your business? Um, podcast flowing right okay. now. We're flowing. We're yeah. turning out um, systems in place. I'm mm -hmm. a systems person. Whether it be my coaching program, twelve week system, mm -hmm. I take people through steps. Um, so I'm a and you know AA guy. We take people through steps. There's there's so that's that's just the way my mind works. So we've been setting up a, a, a schedule podcast wise. Mm -hmm. So I want to move like clockwork. Okay. I want to move like, I want to get everything gets recorded. YouTube fucking like everything yeah, is happening. Every platform, every hour. It's going well. exactly where it needs to be almost to the automatic where mm -hmm. we can just churn. So um, I want to be set up entirely for that. Um, same thing with my content creation for my coaching business. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that today. I'm uh, this week, you know, I want to be able to Fridays are my, um, you know, in fitness, uh, fitness content creation, bang out 10 videos, mm -hmm. schedule the posts on Facebook mm -hmm. for the 10 weeks ahead. So just, and it's happening. Yeah. I'm a systems person, and yeah. but that's scale. Mm -hmm. That's how you grow a business. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. well, that's I was talking about yesterday on a podcast that we're not keeping. Um, <laughs> I'm competing with the world. Yeah. I'm not competing in black in the black industry. Mm -hmm. I'm not competing in San Diego. Mm -hmm. I'm competing in Australia, the UK, Africa. Yeah. I'm competing with all them. So Walmart has systems. Mm -hmm. Amazon has systems. Yeah. There's there's a process your order goes through from yeah. Amazon. So that's what I, I want to create in order to scale. If I want to fit five people in my business, I should be able to fit 50 people in my business. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what I commend about you is that you do have an entrepreneur spirit, you know, um, is that you're able to analyze in your head what, what you have to do. And that is so important. Um, I do want to jump on another topic that we were talking about Um yesterday during our text and it, it was really interesting you know for myself you're doing this full time you know what i mean um so this is your bread and butter yeah it's my jam and this is like for me you know i have a side i have a full-time job i got side hustles too by the way yeah we but, talked about that yeah yeah but but in in this you, you this is what you do full time you yeah. know what i mean of course everyone has a side hustle but your main thing is yeah. this coaching podcasting, motivating yeah. people, you know, helping people transition to that next level in their lives. And what I want to talk about was the fact of it caught me off guard when you said, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is what I do. And it made me think about how I put so much time into my full-time job, which, you know, yeah, we yeah, got to make money, do it. you know, you have yeah. to, but I've, I, at times I slack or I lack in my podcasts or mm -hmm. on my post or, you know, going back to people that I've worked with in the past and just checking on them. Yeah, saying, yeah. Hey, how are you I, doing? I like you know? those things too. You know, yeah. all those things. But my thing was, is you said that it's, it's my job and it made me think of like, I need to change my mindset and how I'm looking at my podcast, how I'm looking mm -hmm. at me being a spiritual advisor and a pastor and all these other things. It, it this is my job. Yeah. You know, like to me, it, I, I guess in the, in the in the church phase, it's like this is your calling. Yeah, you yeah, know, the yeah. Lord yeah. told you to get up there and, and and do all that. But it is also a job. Yeah, and I feel like the same amount of, um, the same way that I take my job seriously at my you know my real job, 
it's like I need to do that, but at a higher level. Yeah. And that's why I envy you is because that you're so like you're just so driven with it, dude. Thanks, man. You know what I mean? And I and I and I love that because it's like, okay, I need to step back for a minute and look at what's what I'm doing because it's like, okay, regardless if I have five people or a hundred people listening to it, who gives a care? I don't care. This you know what I mean? Do. This is That's what I it. do. So it's either you're gonna receive it or you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But I know that I'm able to be here right now where I'm supposed to be at this very moment, speaking to you, who's ever listening to this, you know what I mean? It, it's like, it, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. Yeah. And if I'm not being able to live fully in my purpose, I will never be able to grow from that. Yeah. So I I, I wanna talk about it and, and I want you to give me a little, a little oomph about it because to me, like I know now I have to do better. You know what I mean? Like, of course, always, we, need to, we always, always need to do, do better. better. But what, like you said, you set you set certain um, goals, you set certain things, you know, you have an entrepreneur spirit. What advice can you give people that are, have a full-time job, you know, but then also have another job into doing podcasts or yoga or whatever mm -hmm. their heart is, you know, calling them to do, you know, like, how, how do you do it? Takes delusion. <laughs> For real, for real, no, for real. You got to okay. explain you have that. To delusionally believe in yourself, but for okay. me, I, I have a very unique experience because the life I lived before, mm -hmm. I survived that. Mm. I survived the life before, so I have to be like, I'm here for something, and yeah. it ain't working for somebody else. Mm. It's not, you know, which is nothing wrong. Work for somebody mm -hmm. else. That's just not for me. I tried. I tried to fit in a certain paradigm, and I kept failing. Mm -hmm. And I said, "No one's ever going to take anything from me again." Yeah, I'd rather have less than that. No one can take than have everything that that can be snatched from sure. from me. I don't put. I, I no longer put my security in things that can be taken from me. Um, but I I want to encourage people if if you have something you believe in, be delusional about it. And if if someone can talk you out of your dream. Not big enough. Mm. You know, Dave Chappelle talks about weak spirit. Mm -hmm. If 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 this about if this boundary stops you from being an actress or a singer, if it stops you in any capacity, because you may have to settle for for a smaller part of your dream. You may you may want to be a famous singer, but you sing in church. Mm -hmm. If your if your passion is shut down by no's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not strong enough passion. Yeah, I hear I hear mostly no. Yeah. I don't give a fuck though. I delusionally believe in it, and I'm still humble. I'm mm. still humble. Life has humbled me, though. Yeah. And you're not supposed to say you're humble, but I know for a fact, I don't think I'm just some dude doing mm -hmm. my thing. I don't yeah. think I'm any, like, I don't, an influencer or anything. That, that's crazy to mm -hmm. me. I don't think of myself that way, but I believe in myself delusionally. It, and somebody else could say, I don't think your shit is dope. And I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. I, I think yeah. your shit is dope. Yeah. And I think my shit, if it's not dope now, I know that if you suck at something and you keep doing it, it's you're going to get, get better. It's only going to so, get better. How, but, you know, I look at a lot of stand-up comics. Mm -hmm. People don't know... About Joe Rogan, about, you know, not Dave Chappelle, he's an anomaly, but most stand-up comics bomb for 10 years. Yeah. They eat shit for 10 years. And I'm mm -hmm. like, but they want to be comics so bad that they're willing to bomb and try again. And if I'm not willing to bomb and try again, like the podcast we recorded last night, we're not even using it. It was, it bombed. Yeah. We live streamed it. I don't like it. We're not using it. But I'm willing to go through that process. And when I see that process, you said reevaluate, re you know, reassess. Mm -hmm. How do we make changes? How do we, you know, uh, make sure that doesn't happen again? And we move on. Mm -hmm. But you got to delusionally believe in yourself. Wow. And and but that's hard to do. That's you know, do. the podcast that I did a few a few days ago, a, lot, a few days ago with Bishop um, McQueen. You know, he was talking about how. I was just telling him, you know, I'm I'm moving myself out of, you know, full-time ministry out back mm -hmm. home and stuff like that and I'm I believe that I'm called to do ministry for people and um honestly it hit me the other day was like I don't want to do this. Like ministry. I don't like I don't want to do ministry. Oh shit. But That's like, big. It, it, That's it was big. big. That's big rev but, revelation. But it but what I've come to realize is that that's when I knew that I was ready mm -hmm. because it, it wasn't something that like, oh man, I want to have a church and I want to have people and I want to do this and I want to do that. It'd be like, we started talking about it. I'm like, oh God, I don't want the responsibility, but I wake up every morning and it's still in my heart. You know what I mean? So I knew 
for myself that yes, I may not want this because I feel like a lot of people have it have it backwards. It's like, oh, I'm called to do ministry. Let's you know, let's go do this and mm-hmm. and, and preach and and blah 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 blah. But they don't understand the weight that comes with it, yeah. the responsibility that comes with it, and you know, I believe that God um, gives us only what we can handle and bear. Mm-hmm. And I'm oh, sitting here. I, I agree 100%. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself is like, I have been through so much, but not only that, but being able to sit on a phone for two hours to listen to someone share their story with me because they felt something in me or saw something in me. I have friends that I don't even talk to that call me out of the blue and be like, can you pray for me? Yeah. You know what I mean? So in some way, I made an impact in their lives. Yes, we're not on this. We're not, you know, friends anymore or anything like that. We're just acquaintances or whatever. But in a moment where they're lost or scared or confused, they think of me and they're like, okay, you know what? Let me call Kevin. Kevin, can you pray for me? My, my, My dad passed away or this or that, you know? And what I've come to realize is that, yes, I may not want to do it, but it's something that I'm called to do. Yeah. And I know for myself that we're, 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 some things are happening this year. Some things are going to happen next year. And, uh, I'm, we're, we're in the process of talking about a lot of new things. And, but it, it just made me realize the fact that like, um, I don't want it, but I know that I'm called to do it. Yeah. And I, I, and I know for you, it's different. Like in, yeah. in, in a ministry setting, it's totally different because like there's so many people that want to be pastors and want to do this and then blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying for myself, that's at that point, I realized like, okay, I have, this is I may not want to go through the ups and downs, but I know that if I'm called to do it, I don't have to worry about it because I know that God is going to make a way, you know, the same way he did for all the other things in my life. So I, I do find it interesting that the mindsets of the way you look at, at what you're doing and the way I'm looking at it, what I'm doing is different, but in some way, the foundation is still the same. Yeah. You know? So um, I, I'm I'm just so in awe about it, but go ahead. I, I, I want you to go. No, no, ahead, no. You know? I, I didn't have anything. I was just listening to that. You you went off. That was bars. That's yeah, sorry. Like a, <laughs> you went hard in the paint. That was good. Um you know, what I think of immediately as I'm listening to you is we put ministry in a box. Yeah. We put ministry yeah. in a box. My my in-laws who are strong Christian people, like my like my girl, mm-hmm. I, that's what attracts me to that family. They do the deal. Mm-hmm. Low key, too. They're not telling nobody. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it. And, uh, and, you know, they've told me, Eric, what you do is ministry. Yeah. What I do is ministry. Um, it, it may not be exactly what the conventional paradigm of mm-hmm. ministry is, but you doesn't have to mean you're you're in a pulpit. Yeah. It, this podcast can be your version of ministry. Yeah. And I think if we're looking at that big picture, mm-hmm. and when I look at my big picture, when I talk about spirituality, when I talk about meditation, whatever spirituality is somebody else, I don't give a fuck how you get it. Let me give a little bit of some. If you, you hear mm-hmm. a little bit of it, then, but, you know, a pastor is doing, you know, ministry acutely, but I'm doing it planting seeds. That's, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's valuable. It's valuable. Yeah. So the idea, you don't have to fit yourself in a box. I know you, you spiritually, you do the deal. Mm-hmm. You're one of the people who I'm, I know your story. You're like, this is what I believe in. And yeah. when you see people unwavering like that, that's, you're doing it and you're meant to do it. Whatever capacity it looks like, it could be prayer on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. That's ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but it doesn't have to be. I'm the pastor of a mega church. It doesn't yeah. have to be. And and I think we put pressure on our dreams and purpose. We yeah. say like it's got to be this. And what I've learned doing this, doing podcasts for two years, do being an independent business owner um, for three years is it changes. Yeah, it changes. I was you know I used to teach. I was set up to teach workshops from our homegirls program, um, and I went into I was like I don't. You know, she asked me, she was like, you still interested in doing these workshops when quarantine ends? I said, no, honestly. Yeah. I said, I don't want to teach fitness stuff anymore. It's not yeah. my jam. That's yeah. just not what I want to do. That's not the direction I want to go in. But six months before that, I was so invested. I posted about it, told my girl about it. I was working on it, writing, writing a, a, you know, kind of of a, um, a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to go over? But it, my passion, my passion for it changed. Yeah, and my business model has changed. Yeah. And as I improve value in my coaching program, it changes the so direction. Like a whole I go. New season, and it's and you with your dreams, you got to be 
you got to be uh, okay with the peaks and valleys and yeah. wherever the river takes you. But again, do you have unwavering faith in your dream? Mm-hmm. God will put you right where you're supposed to be. Everything in my life has prepared me for exactly the position I'm in now. And I don't mean that on, on a bullshit. The name of podcast, the the parts of my business, it's all... I. I I really believe sometimes I'll just sit there and be like, this happened exactly Bro, how it was supposed to. We forget that signs, miracles, and wonders happen every day in our lives. They're sitting around us like every moment, but we're just so caught up in other shit that we don't know, you know, what we're looking at. And then you get confused on if you're hearing the voice of God or if it's your own voice. Yeah. You know, so, you know, kind of going back to, you know, our, the conversation that we had about how it's a, we need to kind of change the mindset of like, this is our job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where I was going off with, um, you know, with, with, with Bishop and having hit the conversation with him and, and realizing the fact that, yeah, it, it may not be something that like it, in a brief moment, it was something that I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm called to do ministry. I'm excited. Like, of course you get into that moment, but then you start realizing the weight of it. And then you're like, okay, so, I, I kind of I want to make sure that you guys understand where we're coming from is that I'm, you know, the conversation that we had was about changing my mindset on looking at my ministry as this is my job. Mm-hmm. Yet I don't want to do it because I'm scared, but I know that God has called me to do it. Yeah. I just want to yeah, put yeah. that out there. You know put what I mean? Like it, yeah. get some, put some context into it, you know, it, it, that it was important for me to, because I was like, am I doing this because... I went through that whole situation at church and mm-hmm. I'm trying to prove myself to someone or prove myself to them. That's tight. So, you know so, what I mean? So, so think of subconscious. Yeah, dude. I, I really I really had to put myself in that position. Like, am I just doing this to prove it to people or am I actually doing this because I have a heart for people? And the more and more I begin to journey with the people in LA, with you, with people back home, with people around the world, dude, I begin to realize is that God has given me so much to handle mm-hmm. that I know that I'm able to succeed at it. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a heavy weight and it's a heavy burden. But then at the end of the day, my word says that, you know, that he's not going to give me anything that I can't handle or bear. Mm-hmm. So when I'm constantly in that mindset mm-hmm. and situations come left and right from other people, 99.9% of the time, it's not my own problems. It's other people's problems that I'm praying for and, mm-hmm. and having to listen to. So I know I can handle it. So I know that my job is like, okay, I got this. Yeah. So I, I really do believe that, you know, if for those of you guys that are listening and, you know, you're in this the stage where you are working a full-time job and on top of that, trying to do your calling, the, your passion that you have in your life, understand that you have to change your mindset on how you're looking at it. Oh, that's, it's all, it, that's all it is. It's, it's the way you approach it, it and the way you're looking at it. You know, and if, if you have to change your, um, I've said it before that I do, I do eight before eight. Now mm-hmm. I'm doing seven before seven is where I'm up before 7am doing seven things mm-hmm. before seven o'clock. Or if I'm in my little mood where I'm doing eight before eight, I'm getting that. I'm getting things done. Mm-hmm. I have to change my routine yeah. because, and it's 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 so important. We forget the fact, like, okay, you want to do these new things, but then yet you still have an old routine that does not match yeah. what you're wanting to accomplish. So I have to change that. My my days change frequently. Um, you know, little things they do: go to the gym, make my bed, little things like that, eat all that. But um, spiritually, I found myself my my spirit my meditation time, my prayer time changes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, there's one morning I can just be listening to worship music and just be content in that. Yeah. But then there's other times where I can be in a, in a, in a verse or a chapter and just kind of go for it. Or I'm just meditating. Yeah. Like my roommate and I, my roommate and I, uh, we meditate in the morning. He meditates at night. He will literally keep his meditation music on to fall asleep too. Yeah. That's like, okay too. And he, yeah. I mean, he loves it. You know what I mean? And this, this, what I love about him is that he is so driven in what he does in his business. Um, so he's doing stocks. So this boy is on the computer eight hours a day, mm-hmm. eight hours a day, man. And then goes to work and then comes back and do it again. Yeah. You know, so his mindset, his routine, everything that he, that Dylan is doing is literally helping him get to point A to point B to the point that when the market was crashing, you know, um, 
he was telling me, okay, I think we need to invest in this because this is X, Y, and Z and blah, 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 blah. Man, I don't, I don't like investing in stock because it's just, it's a risky thing. Like mm-hmm. I'll invest money into property all day because at the end of the day, I got my pink slip. I got yeah. my, I got my, you know, I yeah. own it. It's tangible. It's yeah. tangible. So, you know, I, I just really want to put that out there. So we're going to shift really, real quickly. And I want to talk to you um, real quickly, man, about a subject that has recently been going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I believe as us being two black men, it is something that we need to talk about. So we know uh, just a few weeks ago, a young young man passed away due to um, him getting shot. And then now another gentleman. I want to know. <laughs> it's a hard topic to talk about. It's okay. But um, we gotta talk about it. Yeah, we have to talk about. It. We have to open up a conversation. I want to know what your what your thoughts on. Um, you know, I with that what is blackness project that I started, mm-hmm. and I didn't really understand how the depth and weight that of that project. Bro, like, I hear you. It was very casual. It was very casual. Like, oh, I wonder what other black people think. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, what do I think, man? I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to kind of wrap up. Um, but it's it's such a weighted question, and and white people don't ask themselves that. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about privilege, that just the idea that we have to question our own existence, mm. um, that is, I think that can sum up, you know, kind of black existence here. We have to like reevaluate what is what is my life to me, mm. um, because it's questioned and not questioned like. Verbally, sometimes my black my blackness, my entire life has been questioned verbally. Mm-hmm. But when you watch a man die, you know what it does to the black psyche to watch a person who looks like you, it looks like your father, die on camera not once, not twice, not five times, not ten times, but over a decade mm-hmm. to watch that happen. What does that do to the black psyche? And it forces us to ask ask questions. What is my blackness to me? Because if it's not, if my blackness isn't valuable and tangible to me, it's not valuable and tangible to fucking anybody. Yeah. Because what the the sad thing about what we saw yesterday is it's probably gonna happen again in two weeks. Yeah. Because it happened two weeks before that. Yeah, it did. And if it, it, it'll keep going because there's no truth and reconciliation. You can talk to white people and say this shit is racist, and they'll fucking argue. Mm-hmm. They'll oh, I'm having deja vu. They'll they'll <laughs> they'll argue with you. They'll be they'll be. And if you don't see the racism in there and you say they're racist, they'll be so insulted that you said that. Mm-hmm. That's that's how deep racism is. is well, that- the crazy thing is, is, I was the other day, I, I said the I said the N-word, and uh, there was someone that was like, a friend of mine that's white, and he was like, I can't believe you said that. I'm so offended. Yeah. How are you offended by me using the word? Yeah. You know what I mean? But go ahead. Go ahead and finish that. I just- no, it's just, uh, it's... Um, it's interesting. It's so intrinsic in American uh, culture and in, within our politics, within um, our social structure. Because you know what? They talk about government programs, people leeching off the government. Guess what? Those PPP loans, guess what? Th- that boosted unemployment. I bet you they're taking it. So it's when black and brown people need socialism, social, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, no, they're stealing. Pull up yourself up by your bootstraps. But we And let the free market handle itself. There's chaos right now. The free market's handling it. If your business didn't make it, yeah. That's the free market, baby. Yeah, you yeah. know, but no, no. Give me that. Give me that government. Give me that welfare because mm-hmm. this welfare, by definition. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so deep ingrained in the in in society. It's not going away, and I've I've conceded to that. Mm-hmm. It's not going away, and and it makes me question, like, you know, is it we we have to do something tangibly? Do you, do you think as you know, as a black it might be man, violence, man? I don't know. The create, you know, it might be. But then it, it that we would just be going back to the point. I know, I know, but know? this passive, this passive shit ain't working. I get it. Do you think as a black man, do you think that you have been vocal about it? More vocal um, about it? Do you think that it, since I got sober? Interesting. Because um I and I say this and it's so embarrassing. I cry I would cry to my mom when I was a teenager and say, because she'd be like, Eric, you hang out with these white kids. They're, they're going to tell you you're black. And every they would always. Mm-hmm. Every third joke was racist. N-word this. You know, Eric, no pork chops ain't for no niggas. So a friend of mine, his mo- he said his mom said that. It was a joke. It was a joke. But he was like, that was those are the kind of jokes. And it would, it would make me hate. I was taught to hate it. Mm. And then I got sober and woke up. And that's when the video started popping up. Mm. 
Interesting. That, right the year I got sober, and my girl at the time would be like, "Yo, stop watching this," because it it all like ha- it all washed over me. Like, oh, this is what it is. I, you know, for me, like you have to, I'm born and raised in Palm Desert. Went to Palm Desert High School. You mm-hmm. know, there was a small group. There ain't that many of, black. People. There's not that many black people in the yeah. desert. You know, and of course, for me, I hung out with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, but being the only, you know, somewhat of the only black kid there. Um, I really didn't experience racism. You know what I mean? Being in Palm Desert and being raised, you know, I was in the arts and I was in music. So in some cases, I just never saw it or it just didn't hit me. You know what I mean? But now living in Los Angeles, being a, a, you know, a, a black man that, you know, that's out there, you start recognizing it. You know what I mean? And at times it's very uncomfortable. So I do believe that, you know, for myself, I've never really talked on the subject because I never wanted to offend anyone. Because of that. Bro. But you have to understand, like, my stepdad raised me. You know, he's white. Yeah, my, my in-laws are white you know? and conservative. Yeah. And, 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 and so it's like, at this point, I'm like, okay, I have to, I, I have to sit back because I can't say anything. But now that I'm at this point in my life where I'm older and I've been racially profiled, I've, you know— um, I've gone through it. Every black person has. But something that I do want to say is that there, I told you, you know, you're, you, you, you're the one who inspired me on kind of coming up with this, this, this project. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you, you were telling me about the project that you were doing. And I told you that what is, you said, what is black to you? And I told you, I, I feel like I'm black privileged, mm-hmm. you know, and I was having conversations with two different black, um, two different black people um, that were that I'm um, actually we were dating mm-hmm. these two guys, two different, you know, around the time. And um, I, I called them up and I said, hey, I want to ask you a question. What What is black privilege to you? You know, and there and every single one of them said it was it was a negative response. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Talk to hate ourselves. man. I'm like. You look at it that way? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, because well, we, when you look at white privilege, but I'm not talking about white privilege. I'm talking about being black and privileged because when you think about it, dude, everything that we have done in America, everything mm-hmm. from the stoplight to the ironing board to countless. music to- it, You can't even go down. It's countless. It's countless. countless. So, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm black privileged. Now, you may not- Think it that way because you may look at it yeah. a whole different other perspective. But for my definition, what black privilege is, is I'm privileged to come from a family of amazing musicians and pastors and there's history behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I feel like now I'm at this point where I'm having to identify what that is for myself as a black man and to create more conversations about that. Because yeah, you're actually, you're absolutely right. We need to be I'm not, I don't give a fuck about nobody else's feelings. Yeah. Anymore. There's mm. times, there's times with, my, with, there's times within my family that I tiptoe around it. Because like I said, if I, if I brought up certain, to certain white people that what they said was racist, they would be, a, they would be so mad at yeah, me. Yeah, offended. You know, um, but for me, it's a big part of what like my racial experience has been is, is, um, bringing light to it, you know, passively. But I've done I've done enough passive, uh, you know, passive representation. Mm-hmm. I've done enough, like, people, you know, people would say, like, I never met a Black person I liked until I met you. So I've done a service. Mm-hmm. I've, I've really been, you know, even I, in San Diego, there's not that many Black sober people. Mm-hmm. There's three, four Black people in the AA community, mm-hmm. four of us, under 35. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I hold that responsibility in my networking groups, in business circles I go into, because I'm competing with the world. I could just do business in black communities. No, I'm competing with the world. Yeah. So I represent black people yeah. in in a lot of spaces. So that's usually how it's been for me to represent our, our culture. Yeah. Because I hate to say it, but we have our entire culture on our back. So people don't understand that pressure that black people have 
sub even if it's subconscious e- even before i knew that i was a black representation in these white neighborhoods mm-hmm. they were like this is what blackness is yeah. and sometimes i played right into the that hand black excellence so sometimes mm-hmm. no but sometimes i played right into the hand and was ignorant as fuck and yeah. da, da, da. but um but that black people do play it to their advantage at uh, times yeah and 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 that's why I said we have to ask ourselves some questions. We got to ask ourselves something that I, I need to say, and 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 as a black man, like I'm not gonna feel offended about saying it, but honestly, black people need to do better. We need yeah. to we need to do better. It's like we're very privileged to say that though. We're very and I had this kind. No, I've had this conversation. Please, please, yeah, I've had this conversation with a friend of mine who's CEO of a, a finance company, mm-hmm. successful, and he said the same thing mm-hmm. on a podcast. I come from my parents are in medicine. Yeah. Highly successful. Mm-hmm. Fucking shout out to them. My siblings, highly successful. We're all like that. But we we were born on third base. I was born on third base. If you have in generations in South Jamaica, Queens, or in Baltimore, or in Gateway, or in Desert Hot Springs, or in Compton, Inglewood, South Chicago, you know, like the Bluff in Atlanta, if you're in any of those places, you might have seen generations of incarceration. Yeah. Um, the, you know, uh, uh, island, uh, not island mentality, like uh, where you people have picked from the tree of social programs yeah. their entire existence. Yeah, it's all they if, know. If that's all they know, if that's all they know, can you blame? Can you blame for 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 perpetuating it? Where it's what it, what uh, the unfortunate thing is going to take time and investment by us to say, I'm not going to buy property. No offense in in. Um, where do you buy property? Joshua Tree. In, in Joshua Tree. Yeah. I'm going to buy property in, in the North End. In the North End. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to improve. And it's yeah. going to take that. And you you ask, why is LeBron LeBron James has done it? But why is why are all these black people? Because we don't even have faith in ourselves that we can improve it. That, so that's the questions we have to ask us. Like, why are our black leaders not doing it? Mm. But you can't blame, you know, yeah, poor, uneducated right. black people right. for not getting it. But, you know, I- Systemic racism got us there. It's yes. not our fault. It, there's reasons why we're there. You're right. But but I have to understand that like there's like there's times where I start talking about like what black people should do when I grew up with parents who are doctors. Yeah. Oh oh I have I'm allowed to have an opinion. What's yeah. happening yeah. in the rest of Southside? No, I don't. You know I think for <clears throat> I think the re- the reason why I look at it so differently is because of the fact of yes I was born on the North End of Palm Springs. Everybody knows my daddy. Everybody knows my grandmother. You know what I mean that. That like we still own the house there, you know. My dad still lives yeah. there, stuff like that. But for myself, you know, my mom married a white guy, and we moved from the North End, and we moved to Palm Desert. You know, I went to Palm Desert High School. So now that does not necessarily mean for my other siblings. You know what I mean? Which a lot of a lot of few of my siblings went to jail and stuff like that and came out differently and not the mm-hmm. same. You know, but I made a choice. Because I saw what was taking place. I saw that my dad was selling drugs. I saw that my mom was doing drugs. I saw that my aunt was on the corner doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm looking at all these things. And thank God for my grandmother that was able to shelter me Mm -hmm. in being in church. Because if it wasn't, I would have, God knows where I would have been. But in that moment and understanding what was happening around me at that young age, I said, I don't want this for my life. And I had yes. to make a choice. And and here's what I'm here and here's what I'm trying to say, because we've had this conversation about me move uh, 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 actually with a woman by the name of Christy Holstead. She's the city. She's a, I think she's the presiding mayor right now. At, I think at the moment for the city of Palm Springs. Um, you know, she was like, I think that you should run for city council. You know, and as you know, Palm Springs is now going to district certain districts and stuff like that. So I represent I represent the North End. Um, but I, 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 I made the decision for myself at that point to be like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not focused on anybody else because at the end of the day, you're going to do you. But for me, I'm going to make this choice that I'm going to do, I'm going to do better than what my parents did. You know what I mean? Because I saw things that I shouldn't have learned at a young, at that that age. You know what I mean? So me doing that, once we went to Palm Desert stuff like that, yeah, I had a little ghetto in me and I still got a little ghetto in me. Yeah. You know, you, you keep pushing me. You're going to see the nigga come out. Yeah. But, um, all what the point that I'm trying to make is, is that I made the choice to go and succeed. And I was not looking at the racism. I wasn't looking, mm-hmm. you know, at, or, or you know, you think just because I'm from the North and I'm not educated or anything like this. Yeah. 
From a boy to go from the North End at the age of five years old, opening up for Barry Manilow, okay, mm-hmm. and go, working at the McCallum and going on Star Search and touring with Reba McIntyre and all these other stuff, that shit didn't come from, you know, luck. I worked my ass off for yeah. it. You know what I mean? So, yes, there needs to be some work in what you're doing. But what I'm saying for my community, I'll talk about my community mm-hmm. on the North End of Palm Springs. In order for us to shift, we need to start making better decisions. And I'm talking to yeah. my brothers, my cousins, all yeah, yeah. half of those people are my family. You know what I mean? So I'm pushing them. It's interesting the fact that in our little community, you're starting to see a lot of the gay community starting to buy the prop, the, the houses. That's gentrifying. Gentrifying. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Why? Because where my where my dad's house is, you see the tr- the tramway go up. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful spot. You know what I mean? Some guy offered my dad a hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the house. I said, Are "You kidding me? If you you can't sell this house for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can probably get five hundred thousand dollars, especially with the view and stuff like mm-hmm. that." But us as black communities, we do. We need to put more money into our community and clean yeah. up our shit. And, yeah, and I, you, you know, know, so let me break this. That's there's a lot to unpack mm, yeah. there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> you and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of other family successful black families I know talk about individual success. Mm-hmm. Yes, you were able to make those choices. Mm-hmm. How, how maybe individuals make those choices, mm-hmm. but in order for it to be a cultural shift, we need to we need to make better choices. That means people who are successful need to infuse because the government should do it as reparations. If people mm-hmm. talk about reparations, it shouldn't go individual checks. That ain't helping nobody. We already get people already get checks from the government, mm-hmm. but investment in neighborhoods because it's going to take seeing successful parents because yeah. that's that's what it takes. It, yeah. it 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 takes generations of oh my, my dad made a better choice so I'm going to make a better choice. Yeah, yeah. My brother made a better choice. But right now if it's just you making the better choice, you're an individual. There's a movie that's out. I don't know if I sent it to you, but it's called Black Privilege on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it literally talks exactly what you're talking about. You know, is how that they're they moved into the ghetto, and they begin mm. to establish it. Yeah. You know, they begin to, cho- they chose their own police officer, their yeah. own mayor and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I agree with you. It, so it's, I'm I'm concerned with less individual success and cultural success. Mm. And we have to ask ourselves, but, you know, we have to ask ourselves what we need to do um, culturally to, yeah. to make those shifts. Um, if, but, you, if you had one on top of your head, what would it be? Um it it would be buying property, which Nips what Nipsey Hussle was doing. That's yeah. what made Nipsey Hussle so so um, powerful is that he was like, no, we invest back into black back into our black neighborhoods, and we're gonna we're going to improve our neighborhood first. Then we're gonna buy we're gonna do it in another neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We're gonna give people who live here people who live here jobs. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep money invested within our community because the black dollar stays in. For me, the black dollar goes to me and it goes right to a white company. I know for a fact it does. There's not, and and then when you and you if you want to support a black business, you're gonna sacrifice a lot of times quality. Mm-hmm. And okay, so I'm supposed to sacrifice quality of my of my product to to work with a minority owned business. So as black people, we have to Im- compete with the world. Yeah, that's why I say I'm not making a black product. I'm mm-hmm. making a product that is for, for the world, Australia, the yeah. UK, everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I only think this way because I grew up with the parents that I have. Yeah. And I have to know that. Because yeah. even with a heroin addiction, my parents say, Eric never, my mom would t- tell me all the time, still does, especially when I get down in business and my relationship, she said, Eric, you never give up. Yeah, Eric, you never give up. And are other do other black kids have moms and dads who say that to they them? They don't. Not all the time. They don't. I wouldn't believe. So, so that's why I say I, I'm very lucky to have that. So, the you know, for me, when I talk about, like, you know what? The black the black community needs. You know what we need to do? Mm-hmm. It's nuanced, man. Yeah. We need to do a lot of things. Yeah. And I hate to speak in for me myself. I don't speak in those generalizations yeah. because I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know what we need to do. I just know it's gonna take us doing it. Yeah. It's gonna take us doing it. Um and and it's uh it's a big task. Yeah. It's a big task. But institutional racism, we have to it, we have to acknowledge that it's a thing, first and foremost. We have to acknowledge that it's as a country. Which is not we're not going to. Yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but 
we have to acknowledge how we got here. We have to acknowledge that, that in some cases we're still here. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge the big pictures and need truth and reconciliation. That's what um, Nelson Mandela did in apartheid. It was like, okay, we all, let's take responsibility for this. Yeah. Um, and in South Africa, things are not perfect, but but it was like, okay, let's say we all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Dutch, here, you look at us and say you fucked up. Mm-hmm. You did something crazy out here. But the what makes institutional racism a, a, a problem that'll never change is because the country, Donald Trump will defend it. Yeah. Our president will defend it. Obama's too afraid to offend his constituents mm-hmm. to say that we ha- look at the culture, look at the problem we have here. He can't blatantly say that because his white voters. Well, when you look at his wife writing the book Becoming and then the documentary, I mean, like she, ri- which I loved. I didn't watch it. Oh my didn't God, dude. It. it literally, I didn't read the book. But I did watch the docu- the, the documentary talking about the, the um, I did order the book as well, but talking about like how she was raised and going through all of that as her as her being a first lady. And it does give you a different perspective, you know what I mean? And of course, I mean, you have to respect um, President Obama and, and the oh, certain absolutely. areas and stuff like that that he has to make. But, yeah. you know, um, I, I, I the, agree. In, in the spaces that I'm in, in, in white spaces, which is crazy that there's white spaces, mm-hmm. right? Like just when you say privilege, just the idea that I believe in white spaces, like if I go to a networking group and I am the only black person, that is, if you don't have to experience that, you have a fucking privilege. So just based off that alone, you don't, if someone says there's no such thing as white privilege, you don't have to even think about that. Yeah. You don't have to ask yourself, what is whiteness? You just exist. Yeah. See, so, I would just turn that around and be like, oh, I'm black privilege, honey, because I'm in the room. I, I, I feel that. I feel that. But, you know, since I started a podcast, mm-hmm. I feel like it, I'm I'm choosing to be loud yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm choosing to speak yeah. up about it. And I don't, I'm not protecting masses' feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. Like in Django where where uh, Samuel Jackson's character, like, so you see, you see like what they're doing, you you know, like, and I did that. I did that, kept people comfortable. But if I decide I'm going to speak on a microphone, I'm going to speak against systems of oppression. And I've taken that task on, Mm -hmm. even if the system of oppression is Christianity, because it's been a system of Mm -hmm. oppression, even if the system of oppression is um, you know, our own black culture, it might be a system of oppression. I have chosen to get on a microphone and speak up against it. Wow. You know what I mean? It's a principle and passion. But, you know, it's uh it's 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 fucking a lot, man. It's a lot and it's not exhausting. It's not exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's, this is the and we'll tie it back. It's called a callback. Back to your original your original point is that Oh fuck! I forgot my train of thought. But back, whatever, man. It's yeah. it's, it's nuanced. Yeah. It's nuanced, and it's going to take a long time. Um, but I got to speak up loud about it and not be embarrassed of offending anybody because I, we just watched the guy be murdered. Yeah, we just and you know when you watch someone say, "I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe," everything hurts. Y'all going to kill me? Y'all going to kill me? And then go lifeless? You just watched the whole process yeah. of a death. What does that do to the black mind? No wonder we're in the world of problems. Right? Mm-hmm. No wonder. What does that do to the black psyche? What is that so psychologically? What does that micro trauma, death by a thousand cuts, do? No wonder we're all fucked up. Mm-hmm. No wonder you show us violence. You've been showing us violence and since our inception here. Yeah. So of course there's violence. And you know it's it's there's such it's so deep. It's so cultural. It's so ingrained here. That's why the problem isn't just, you know what the problem is? You can't say that. We can't mm-hmm. say that. You, like, it's it's so nuanced, man. But, you know, it's we're we're privileged enough to be able to do the things that we do. Yeah. We're very privileged yeah. to do that. So I, I take that responsibility, you know, very, uh, it's heavy. It is. I take the responsibility, but this is what I get to do. You know, I think for myself, it's, 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 it's such a new topic for me um, that, at times I do get uncomfortable because I never want to there never want to offend anyone. And I think for you it's just that's why I wanted to have this conversation yeah, yeah. because it, it 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 is something that needs to be people are gonna be up. offended by me being in the room anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people are, they're gonna whether they believe whether they believe it consciously or not, mm-hmm. they're it, it's so ingrained that subconsciously they're gonna be if I do something, I'm gonna be like, Of course he did that. Yeah, yeah. Of course he did. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they'll yeah. so so they're you know, they're offended anyway. Mm-hmm. Just for my be being in there and tattooed and big and they're offended anyway. So fuck it. I'm not worried about not offending you. Yeah. I do I don't create conflict. I don't say fuck you, racist, because that's 
that's not productive. That's mm-hmm. not the way I handle problems. Mm-hmm. I handle problems with my mind. Yeah. I handle problems with representation. I handle problems by representing a culture well. A culture well, I might wear streetwear. I might be tatted up, but I speak well and I take that very seriously that mm. you can never say I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. I I you know, it the point is to be unfucking deniable. You can think what you want to think about us, but you can't deny my talent. Yeah. You can't deny yeah. that I'm supposed to yeah. fucking be here. Come on. So it's 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 a lot, but I'm you know, I'm not angry like where it's like malicious angry, but I'm angry where where I got to speak up. And if I'm not speaking up, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that you literally just said it right there. If you're not going to speak up, you're a part of the problem. So, and that's, that's something that I get I, fired up about it, man. Hey, dude, I don't, I come up. on now. I expect you to, and I expect now everyone that's listening to this podcast to get fired up because there needs to be a shift. The, the shift in the civil rights movement, um, was, uh, in Selma mm-hmm. in like in the movie when they saw, Black people getting beat by the police in Selma. Mm-hmm. Then white people were like, "Oh shit, that's what they're doing." And then white people came to protest together. Mm. The you know the civil rights movement. So much was going on in regards culturally. There was you know, civil um, uh, Vietnam War. You know, Black Panthers had white hippies. They was together. Mm-hmm. That's why the change happened because white people were like, "Oh, this is kind of foul." Yeah. So it's gonna take that. Yeah. It's gonna take. But you're already starting to see it now. I mean, there was a. I believe it was in um, Atlanta with a bishop, uh, a new birth. I forgot his name, but um, there was white people and black people literally marching through the streets. I mean, they had cop cars. They were throwing stuff at it and stuff like that. So, if we need to get another, we need to have another shift like that we need to do it yeah. because it, it is it is is i was thinking about what if it was me yeah well that's what i think of it you that's know? what i th- like that, that's what i and that's what my mom thinks because i was because i was on drugs mm-hmm. i was on drugs and i was irrational and i was violent and i was disorderly and yelling at the fucking co- that very well could have been me yeah and i have a son now yeah i have a little black son i have i raise my family is so mixed race. I mm-hmm. raise a half white, half Mexican kid. My son's half white, half black. My girl's white. I'm mixed race, you know, mm-hmm. but I but big black at this big and black at the same time. You know, um, you know, it could be me and I don't it, imagine my son had to see that. Yeah. Imagine it's my father. Imagine it's my cousin. And when I see that, I that's what I think with the black psyche, what does it do to watch a person who looks just like you, yeah. looks just like your cousin? get murdered all the time not once not twice not 10 times all the time all the time i was driving the other day to palm springs and um i had my guns in my car you know what i mean Mm. i'm registered licensed gun owner you know and i just kept thinking to myself dude like wow like what if literally with everything locked and you know with everything where it's supposed to be x y and z um that was my fear, man. Like just driving home, just to go shoot with shooting with my friends, you know. So it it is, and I constantly, constantly had the conversation with my friends the other day because they asked me about it, and I said, "What if it was me?" Yeah. The same, the same, you know, um, love that you have for me, the same like how I've supported you and all this other stuff. That guy has done it for someone else. Yeah. And and we have to con. I think that for myself, that's it, what if it was me. That's the only thing I can speak on is yeah. what if it was me. And uh, we have to think of it like that. yeah, we do. We you know, like I, I I don't care. Like I've met so many so many people, and I've you know people say you you've impacted my life. Okay, if I've impacted your life, I want you to think about that. Yeah. You know, are you gonna march with me? You yeah. gonna march with me down L.A. if 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 well that's how, it, the post I just said. They're going to do that for two oh, a week. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that for a week and then they're going to go back to their white lives. And that, and you know what? Not everybody is going to. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to, but that's going to be the general consensus. And that's the unfortunate piece about this is that it's going to go, it's going to happen again in two weeks. I bet you, I could bet any amount of money. Jesus. We're, we're going to, pe- the pages I follow on social media, I will see something. It's interesting. You always see it in the South. Well, it's not always in the South. It's not because the ones in the 90s were in New York City. There, there was the, the big ones. Yeah. Amadou Diallo was in New York. Mm-hmm. And there was the other one who was leaving the strip club. And they shot him like 46 times, just riddled. Him. You don't remember that? Oh, you were on the... Yeah. They riddled this dude with... And, and they was actually in the Queens County Court. Um, it was it was a big deal. Jeez. But they riddled... They, it's, it's anywhere. Yeah. It's anywhere. It's, and, you know, um, 
that idea that that it's it's limited to the south because we're in San Diego. I I got called a nigger two years ago in my face. Like, what are you gonna do, nigger? Get out of Pacific Beach. So it's 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 as it's relevant everywhere, and it looks different everywhere. Mm-hmm. It looks different all over, but it's again, it's so ingrained. It's deep. Yeah. It's deep. Well, man, I appreciate you just coming on the show and just yeah, talking man, it's, always it's, it always it's always fun. It is fun, dude. I mean, like so that's why I love podcasts. It's just so dope, you know. Um, but can you give everyone yet once again, you know, how yeah. you give everyone? Uh, yeah, so it's your it's links, Eric Grace. It's Hearts Over Everything podcast, YouTube, Spotify, um, iTunes, iHeartRadio. We're going on uh, Patreon. We'll have interviews up on Patreon. So we're all over uh, bigmoodcoach.com. That's where you'll find everything that, that I do. Um, my coaching program is on there. It's 12 weeks, fitness and healthy lifestyle shifts, um, nutrition programs, workout programs, mindset coaching, meditation practice, uh, oh. accountability. We're doing it, baby. Uh, the book is on Amazon. Uh, seven steps to setting intention for your health, wellness, and mindset. Uh, Instagram is Eric underscore Big Move Coach. We out here. Come on, we out here. Well, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, this is Made Podcast. Hey, listen. Let me know what you guys think. Um, leave comments. Let me know what you guys want to hear. You know, we love you so much. You guys be blessed, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.